Welcome back to another episode of the Jacob Johnston Show. So the left is getting crazier and crazier. <laughs> I've, been, I've been seeing some videos out there of Democrats' new debate strategy, just barking like dogs. We've seen this from members of the left's LGBTQ community trying to stop debate, going through and just barking like dogs out there on the street, to now we are seeing it in state legislatures where when Republicans are out there introducing bills to try and protect women's sports, the Democrats start pounding their desk and barking like dogs. And this is one of those things that is very funny. It's like, how the heck do you think that this is going to be effective? Now, I can see the Republicans, if they get really, really smart, can really start turning this against the Democrats very simply. All right, so here's what the strategy would be. If I was an elected Republican, and I'm introducing legislation, and the Democrats' strategy is to pound their desk and start barking like a dog, I would take a tennis ball out of my pocket and go, here, boy, here, boy, or here, girl, here, girl, fetch, and throw it uh, towards them or throw it a little bit past them. You know, if they want to go off and try and act like dogs, treat them like a dog and distract them with tennis balls or throw a stick for them to go fetch. I mean, that's just my personal opinion. That's just what I think would go ahead and shut that barking down real quick, mocking them as if they are nothing more than just dogs. But you never know. Maybe the left will try and find a way to take pride in acting like dumb mutts. Who knows? You know, with the left, you can never underestimate their stupidity. I mean, one of my favorite quotes of all time has been that the biggest difference between genius and stupidity is that genius has its limit. Now, the Democrats keep proving time and time again that stupidity has no limits. Now, let's go ahead and get into some more serious side of the news. Okay, so starting off, Google is going to start warning users of potentially unreliable search results. Now, this is one of those stories that I find interesting because Google is a search engine. Google became the most dominant search engine by promoting the fact or at least creating the perception that they return the most reliable search results. I mean, that was one of the biggest problems in the early days of the internet is that the search results were horrible. You could type in what it is that you were trying to look for and you would never find it. It would be buried under thousands of pages of search results that had nothing to do with what it is you were looking for. Now, increasingly, that is becoming a problem for Google. But for Google to go through and say, hey, we built our entire business model on the idea that you get the fastest, most accurate search results for whatever it is you're looking for, and then to turn around and say, hey, you know what? Our search results are really not that reliable. And so we're going to let you know a potentially unreliable search result. And of course, we know what this really means, what this is really about. And that is, it is an attempt to try and influence people through censorship. They're going to go through and label all right-wing sites reporting the news as unreliable search results in order to try and influence or persuade the opinions of people when they go through and they go through the search results and they come across a conservative site that will report actual facts and data. I mean, it's one of those amazing things about the left. Here it is. They're wrong on almost everything, and yet they promote themselves as the most credible source of information. And all the right-wing conspiracy theorists turn out to be right 99% of the time, and yet they're going to go off and claim that right-wing sites are unreliable and then try to make it seem like, 
oh, hey, you know, the leftists will now have a new talking point, won't they? When you go off and have a debate with the leftists and they go through and they say, hey, you know what? Cite your source. Of course, the Democrats never go through and cite their sources, at least nothing credible. But anyways, they'll go through and ask you to cite your source. You'll cite your source. They'll go, oh, Google has already told you this is unreliable. Ha ha ha. You know, you're diving into that fake news. Even Google is telling you that this information is fake. That's how they are trying to go through and be able to set this up. And plus, it's also trying to go through uh, censorship and, of course, manipulate the public psyche into distrusting anything that the left doesn't want you to know about. And so the one of the reasons why they're doing this now, of course, they're saying, well, you know, unreliable sources pop up in search results if the information that's being reported is new and the legacy media hasn't really had time to catch up with more authoritative reporting, authoritative reporting, that and legacy media. Those are two words that do not actually go together. Oh, oops, smack the microphone. Sorry about that. Anyways, the problem is too much truth, despite the current round of censorship, is still getting out. Too many people are getting access to real information, facts, and data. And this is leading to a backlash against the Democrats as their continued failures and attacks on democracy continue to be exposed. I mean, there's a lot of things that are coming out out of these election audits that the Democrats really don't want you to know. And because of the information that is getting out and it's getting past the current rounds of censorship, what they are now going to try and do is just label all the sites that expose the Democrats for the frauds that they are as unreliable search results. It gives them a good talking point and tries to manipulate the public so that we will ignore actual facts and data so that they can force us to rely on Democrat or left-wing propaganda and censorship, which is all the Democrats have to go on in order to try and maintain political powers by keeping a completely ignorant and uninformed population. And to be honest, at this particular point in time, I don't know why any conservative whatsoever would use Google, at least not for information on news and politics or anything uh, related to science, because you already know you are not going to get accurate search results. All you're going to get is left-wing propaganda that you can't trust for shit. I mean, the Democrats are out there and they're going off and they're trying to talk about climate change, the climate crisis that is coming. That is our biggest issue, you know, and the science is clear. And it's like, science is clear. You can't even tell the difference between a boy and a girl. And you're going to go off and try and tell me that you can tell what is causing the climate to change with as complicated as the climate is, and that you're going to try and blame it on carbon emissions that you've been trying to find a link between for the last 50, 60 years. And every study, every climate model, everything trying to link climate change to carbon emissions has failed the test of time. Every last prediction has failed. And yet you keep pushing this fraud. Hey, here's a thought. If you want to go off and try and convince us that man-made activities are having a drastic impact on the climate, maybe it's about time you give up on the whole carbon emission and try to find or test out a new hypothesis of what it is we can be doing. You know, something fresh that hasn't been debunked about a thousand times by the passage of time. But of course, getting reliable information is damaging to authoritarians. So of course, Google wants to go through and implement yet another layer of censorship. 
Now, uh, getting through and trying to clarify the whole climate change discussion, I do have a bit of a, an opinion on that. It's very long. Is man having an impact on the climate? I'm sure we're having some impact on the climate, but it's not through carbon emissions. I think I have a much more reasonable, rational, logical cause of man's contribution to climate change. It's not CO2 emissions, which never made sense. All right, but that's not for this particular episode. In other news, the Democrats in the House have passed a measure to remove Confederate statues from the Capitol building. Now, look, everyone has kind of a different view on the Confederate statue, and it really depends on your knowledge of history as to where you land on should we remove them from public property or from being displayed in public or in Capitol buildings or should they be allowed to stay? Should they be removed or allowed to stay? And it depends on your knowledge of history. If you're completely ignorant of history, you want them removed because you don't even understand the purpose of a statue. But if you are very knowledgeable about history, you end up wanting to keep the statues in place because you also understand the purpose of a statue. And I'm going to go through here on this, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this. So the misconception that a lot of people have when it comes to statutes and monuments is that we put them up for things that we want to celebrate. And that's only the things we want to celebrate. But that's not true. That's not the actual purpose or intention. It's in order to keep in the public consciousness things that we have learned. Well, yes, some of them are a celebration of accomplishments and victories. Other statutes serves as a reminder of the atrocities of the past the lessons that we have learned from past mistakes, and we keep them up in public so that people will remember them so that we don't keep making the same mistakes again. Now, I understand why the Democrats want to go off and remove all the Confederate statutes is because they want to remove from the public mind a a reminder of the Democrat Party's history. So yes, they want to go through and say, hey, hey, you know, we need to get you know, disassociated from what side we took on the Civil War. Hey, let's get these Confederate statutes out of the way so people kind of forget what, you know, what party was on what side and everything that happened in there. Now, some people are saying, yeah, well, you're not covering up. You can put it in a history book. Really? Have you seen how few people actually read once they are done with college? I mean, just read, you know, for their own education and their own learning. I mean, sure, you might read emails, you might read a little newsletter, you know, talking about a policy change, but by and large, a lot of people do not read, at least not for education. They'll maybe read fictional books, you know, storytelling for entertainment, sure. So if you just relegate the information to the history books, there's a lot of people who aren't going to read it. And of course, the schools, they're not teaching it anymore. And I'll get to the big point at the very end on where I stand on the removals of the statute. But there are other things that are going on, like Robert E. Lee. Yes, he was the general that led the Confederate Army, but that is not exactly the only thing he ever did in life. There was a time, you know, before the Civil War, he was considered one of the greatest military minds of his time, victory after victory for the United States. Now, one thing that is lost about Robert E. Lee is that based off of his writing and historical accounts, he didn't actually agree with slavery. In fact, he was opposed to slavery personally. And so much so 
that Abraham Lincoln, you know, the president that led the Civil War to free the slaves, first went to Robert E. Lee to give him the job of leading the Union Army in order to free the slaves. Now, the issue here with Robert E. Lee is that despite his own personal disagreement with slavery, he still fought to lead the Confederacy to defend slavery. Why? Misplaced loyalty. He put loyalty to a person, you know, the governor of his state. He put loyalty to a person, or you could say to his state, above that of loyalty to his own principles or personal conviction. And what was the result of all of that? Instead of going down in the history books as one of the greatest military minds, I mean, even though he was fighting for a really horrific cause, you know, trying to defend slavery, it was his military genius that allowed the Confederacy to last or hold out as long as they did in the Civil War, you know, keeping it from ending much sooner. But instead of going down in history as one of the greatest military minds, he goes down in history as a villain, as someone to that every generation, succeeding generation, grows up to hate and think of as a horrible person. But history is never that simple. These people were just as flawed and complex in the past as what we see in people today. I mean, when you take a look at the left and they want to talk about the founding fathers and how they didn't abolish slavery, they, like when the country was founded, they left slavery intact, as if there was good options in place for most of the founding fathers. Most of the founding fathers were against slavery and thought it should be abolished, but there were a few holdouts, and they were faced with two bad options. Split the country, making it easy for the British to come back and reconquer us, in which case slavery would never end, you know, and have the potential of those who did not join the founding of this country to join the British, give them aid and comfort, and make it that much easier for the British to be able to reconquer us and put us back under the rule of the British Empire. Or their second option was in order to have a strong united front to protect us from being reconquered by the British to postpone the issue of slavery in hopes that future generations would eventually end slavery. I mean, it wasn't that, you know, they have this option where it's slavery or no slavery and that there was no other mitigating circumstances or factors to consider in that. That wasn't it. I mean, it was very complex. And when we take a look at American history, a lot of times what you'll see is people trying to decide between two bad options, you know, the least, of, the least worst uh, option available to them. Sometimes there isn't a good option. And for us to go back and have a very ignorant view, not knowing all of the intricacies, of what they were going through as they were trying to decide what to do. I mean, we're looking back hindsight without realizing what the actual issues are, what the real debate was about. So in any event, the Confederate statutes were about providing a public reminder of our past, of past mistakes, in hopes that we do not repeat those same mistakes. Now, the Democrats, yes, they want to remove the statutes. Yes, it's about trying to remove from the public mind the atrocities of the Democrat Party. But it's also so that the people don't look at those statutes and look at the Democrat Party today and realize that, hey, they are engaged in trying to lead us down the same path that we are supposed to have a reminder not to go down again. 
And so we got that. So I understand why some people want to go through and defend keeping the Confederate statutes in place. It's not that they celebrate the Confederacy or Robert E. Lee. It's about wanting to make sure people remember the lessons learned. It also serves as a public benchmark from here's where we were, here's where we are. Don't forget about the progress that we have made over all of this time. Now, when it gets down to my personal thoughts on the Confederate statute, it all comes down to this. The usefulness of keeping such statues in place to serve as a public memory and public reminder only works so long as the people are educated enough to understand what it is those statutes are trying to tell them. It only works if the people have an accurate education and understanding of history. If the people are ignorant of history and don't have any idea what that statue is supposed to be there for, well, then the statute loses its meaning and loses its function and purpose. In a statute that loses its function or purpose, what's the point of keeping it up if people are too ignorant to understand what that statue is for, what it is it's trying to remind us, the fact that it serves as a warning. If nobody understands that, if nobody remembers that, nobody is educated in history enough, well, then the statutes have no meaning, and uh, then the statute, the meaning of the statutes change to be whatever the new ignorant, uninformed interpretation is, and what was once supposed to be a public reminder of, hey, let's not make this mistake again, now get seen as a celebration of a mistake that we were trying to say, don't do again. And so it seems like it's celebrating what was happened or what happened and as if we regret its ending. And so, yes, you know, we want to remember our history. We want to understand the progress that we have made, the lessons learned, but that requires an educated and well-informed society. And the Democrats one of the things that they have made sure is that we do not have an educated, well-informed society. Therefore, if the statute's original intention and purpose is no longer intact, then I guess there's no real reason to keep the statutes up. Right? It's sad that there's so many people who are that ignorant, but you know what are you going to do? Hmm? You know, I mean, you're fighting against you know an indoctrinated class that can't even tell the difference between a boy and a girl anymore. So, of course, they have no idea, you know, when looking at the statute, the context in which that statute is placed there. So go ahead and take down the Confederate statutes if you want. You know, it doesn't bother me. The issue is when they start going off and they start trying to attack George Washington, heck, attacking Abraham Lincoln and his statue. I I guess, you know, the Confederate statutes, there's some understandability there, especially if you don't know history. But to attack the statutes of our founding fathers or the president who led the way into a civil war to free the slaves, and you're going to attack him? So in reality, it's not about the statutes. It's about the Democrats doing what authoritarians do as they go through to overthrow a country, which is to tear down and destroy any reminder of that country's history, the lessons learned, and the victories to celebrate. You know, it doesn't matter which side of the coin it is. They destroy it in order to try and reclaim that the history of that country starts at the moment the authoritarian overthrew the previous government. And of course, in other news here, the National Archive calls its own rotunda structurally racist 
and proposes to add trigger warning. Now, I thought the word trigger warning was supposed to be offensive. Now, wasn't there a report on that? Anyways, a new report by National Archives finds that the federal agency's iconic rotunda, where founding documents of the United States are on prominent display as a symbol of structural racism, suggesting that the chamber should place trigger warnings to protect visitors from its content. And of course, this is what all the Democrats have left, is just claim everything is racist. The founding documents are racist. The Constitution is racist, so we must overthrow it. That's where they're going. I mean, they can't provide any evidence. They can't point to anything. So that's why they say it's structurally racist. That way, they don't have to point to anything specific. It's the accumulation of a whole bunch of small things that, on their own, do not uh, show any signs of racism. Anyways, it goes on. Uh, The report was released by the National Archives Task Force. And by the way, this is being reported by the Epic Times on April 20th, but only recently gained media attention. The task force established by Obama appointed National Archivist David Ferrario in the aftermath of the death of George Floyd and the ensuing nationwide unrest concludes that an overarching system of racial bias is unequivocally affecting how the agency operates. The report cites the rotunda, which has been home to the original copies of the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights since 1952, is a leading example of the alleged structural racism. Think about that. Our Declaration of Independence, Constitution, and our Bill of Rights, they're saying is structurally racist. So what does that mean? That By default, that means they want to get rid of our Constitution and our Bill of Rights. Anyways, as an examples of alleged structural racism within the National Archives, it describes the exhibition hall as part of the headquarter building that louds wealthy white men in the nation's founding while marginalizing black, indigenous, and people of color, women, and other communities. Well, you know what? If you have a country at, at the time of its founding, that is, say, 90, 95, what, 99% of one racial group, yeah, they, they tend to make up most of the founding fathers of that particular country. I mean, take a look at any country in Africa. Can you find any of their founding documents in which a white person had uh, input into the founding documents of any African country? Uh, what about China? Do you you see anybody outside of Asians in China having any part in the creation and founding documents of their current government? Probably not. Why? Because there wasn't that many there to take part in it. Okay. So, I mean, their whole, you know, stupidity of their claims is just unbelievable. But in any event, they're, they're always trying to go off and make the argument that everything is racist because of the skin color of the people who did X. Which, by the way, it's lost on the left how that makes them the actual racist. But when you want to go through and you want to overthrow a country, especially a democracy, and institute uh, an oppressive authoritarian dictator, you try to remove from the public conscious any reminders of that country's past, and then you go through and you try to attack everything about that country. You try to attack anything that helps ensure the uh, democracy and the rights of the people. 
and you try to get people to agree to throw it all out the door because then nobody has any rights and it's the big iron fist of Big Brother dictating to you every last aspect of your life to you. I mean, it is sickening, which is also why they're going through and they're attacking our Second Amendment rights because you got to remove free speech and you got to remove the people's ability to defend themselves for when the time comes to go full bore in overthrowing a country. And that's what the Democrats are doing. And the Democrats are going out there and they are saying that they are going to do gun control massively this year. And here's what that sounds like. Are you working on any sort of timeline, any time frame where you do want to see something on the floor? I don't think time is on our side. Uh, the number of gun deaths in this country uh, continues to skyrocket every day that we don't do something. Uh, we are willingly allowing uh, people to die all across this country. Um, I have said from the beginning that you know we need to take a vote on expanding background checks at some point. Uh, I'm willing to negotiate, but you know I don't want Republicans to run out the clock. Uh, so I'm not sure whether we'll finish our negotiations this summer, whether it'll spill into the early fall. Um, but at some point this year, likely this summer, we are going to take a vote on expanding background checks. I hope that's uh, in a bill that's pre-negotiated with Republicans. But if not, uh, Senator Schumer has made it really clear we're going to have an up or down vote. Talk to most responsible gun owners and hunters. They'll tell you there's no possible justification for having 100 rounds in a weapon. Now, of course, whenever the Democrats go off and they start talking about gun control, the first question is, under what authority do you think you have the ability to enact gun control? The Constitution is very clear. It says the rights of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. What part of that is so hard for the Democrats to understand? When you take a look at the Constitution, it actually prohibits gun control in any way, shape, or form. It's a specific prohibition. Now, the Democrats, of course, they try to lie. They try to say, oh, no right is, or no amendment is absolute. They've always had the authority. Of course, all the Democrats' arguments for why it is they somehow have the authority to engage in gun control, despite the Constitution saying, no, you cannot do this, has all been debunked. And, and, and the Democrats' arguments pretty much defeat the entire purpose of having our rights in the Constitution in writing. So they can't explain in any way, shape, or form where they think they have the authority or the right to engage in gun control. Now, the second question here is, they always go through and they want to talk about expanded back, uh, background checks. You know, we got to have enhanced expanded background checks. What does that mean? What exactly do they mean by, you know, expanded background checks? I mean, right now, the background checks are, do you or do you not have a criminal history? You know, are you a felon or not? Have you committed violent gun crimes or not? So if we're expanding the background checks, what are we expanding it to? Are we expanding it to what are your political beliefs? What comments have you made on Twitter and Facebook and social media platforms? You know, I mean, exactly. Where, where are we expanding this to? Because we already have it set to check for, do you have a criminal history, a criminal record? So what are we expanding this to? You know, do you have so much as a traffic ticket in your entire life? Well, you're now, you know, banned and blocked from being able to go through and exercise your Second Amendment right. I mean, I would like them to actually go through and explain, 
here's the actual background checks that they're going to go through and how in the world that actually differs from current background checks. Because the truth is, while they're going out there and trying to claim that this is about expanding background checks, you know, um, and such, that's not it. That is the false flag that they are using to try and run this through. It is all the other things uh, that they will eventually put into the bill before they get uh, to final passage. That is very scary. Now, one last story here from just the news. Virginia says local schools should eliminate gender-based practices under new transgender rule. And the article goes on to read, Virginia's Department of Education is urging school districts throughout the state to work to end as many sex-segregated activities and programs as possible as part of a recently promulgated set of rules aimed at accommodating transgender students statewide. Uh, the document advises that, in general, school division should make efforts to eliminate gender-based practices to the extent possible. Yeah, you know, whatever that means, to the extent possible. Gender-based policy, rules, and practices can have the effect of marginalizing, stigmatizing, and excluding students regardless of their gender identity or gender expression. It states, citing practices that may be based on gender, such as grouping students for class activities, gender-based homecoming or prom courts, limitations on who can attend as couples at school dance, and gender-based events such as father-daughter dances. Okay, so let's go through and say this. First off, if you were to take a look at those who identify as transgender, you're talking about a fractional percentage of the population. And so what it is, is you're trying to destroy and tear down things that that 99.9% .9 of people like in order to accommodate the transgender, which, by the way, doesn't exist. Your gender, your sex is determined at the moment of conception. What the chromosomes do you get? Do you get XX or XY? That's it. And that determines your biological development, which determines your gender, your sex, or whatever word you want to describe it. And it never changes, no matter how much cosmetic surgery you have. It never changes. And so what we are seeing here is the left engage in complete lunacy. I mean, this is getting to the point where uh, you, we can pretty much say that this is a complete war on women. Because what we are seeing here is biological men who can't win anything competing against other men because they're beta males are going in and identifying as women. And as such, they are getting the medals, uh, you know, sucking up all the victories. And therefore, they are also getting the scholarship opportunities, stealing opportunities away from women, de declaring themselves as women so that they can be considered a diversity hire for the workforce, <laughs> along with a whole bunch of other stuff. And so we see that women are under complete assault. And we also are seeing that women are not even safe in the spaces designed for women, like a women's locker room. So now all a guy has to do is go through and declare himself a woman, and he can go in to a woman's locker room, and the women are told that if you're not willing to undress and bare your naked body to that man while you are changing, then you are a transphobe. If you're not willing to shower naked with a biological man, you know, and then and being able to have your naked bodies exposed to each other. You're a transophobe. And now we've all seen uh, the viral video about some guy walking nude in a woman's only section and where there were young kids. And she, the woman was complaining and saying, he has a dick. It's a he. 
It's a dick hanging out, exposing to young girls. And the spa is just like, no. So women are under attack because the left is saying that women suck at everything and that men are so much better than women that men are even better at being women than women, getting woman of the year award, getting, you know, women's beauty pageant, that men are just so much better that women are just being erased from society and are pretty much being told, shut up, you don't get anything. The reason why we have gender division in sports is because there is biological differences. But also, you got to understand, by having gender-segregated sports, you're also increasing the number of people who get opportunities. I mean, if you only had, you know, co-gender you know, uh, sports, right, then how many scholarships would there be? I mean, if you only had to fill up one basketball team, right, and it's boys and girls, well, a basketball team isn't that large. So the number of people that get athletic scholarships to go play basketball at that college is limited. But if you have a boys basketball team and a girls basketball team, what do you see? You see double the size of sports teams, which means double the amount of academic scholarship, double amount of the people that get a more affordable free access to a college education through these scholarships. And so now you're wanting to go through and eliminate half the scholarships and then base it off of, you know, um, gender neutral sports. Well, what's going to happen? Women are going to lose in the vast majority of those sports. Things like football, basketball, uh, anything in weightlifting or Olympic competition, women are going to lose and they're going to be cut out. They're losing opportunities left and right. The What it is to be a woman is completely under attack by this phony transgender movement that is based off of a complete lie. You know, and the question is, women, are you just going to roll over and take it? Are you just going to roll over and told you need to shut up and go to the back of the bus in order to make room for men to take up scholarships claiming to be women? Are you going to do that? Or are you just going to finally stand up and say, you know what? Enough is enough of this crazy shit. You know, it's not funny anymore. Is that how you're going to go about it? I don't know. Do you have the backbone to stand up for yourselves here? Now, luckily, some women do. But unfortunately, the women on the left don't. But then again, the women on the left don't really achieve anything. You know, they, they don't go out there and they don't really achieve anything on their own. They just whine and complain until someone just hands them something. So, of course, they're not concerned about any of the academics or opportunities based off of hard work and ethics because leftist women don't know about hard work and ethics. They just whine and whine and whine until someone goes, okay, shut up. Here you go. You know, the Democrats want to keep trying to create fictional victim groups in order to whine so that people will just give them something to get them to shut up and stop whining, or so that they don't actually have to go off and achieve anything, but demand that everything be handed to them and claim it's for reparations for whatever. And then, of course, when uh, Republican women are on the floor introducing legislation to go through and you know try and protect women's sports, what do the Democrats do? Having no intelligent argument, they're literally pounding their desk and barking like dogs. Unbelievable. All right. So I think uh, that's it. Uh, that, I'm going to go ahead and end it right there. I'd like to thank you so much for listening in. I do appreciate that. If this is your first time listening to the show, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. It doesn't cost anything. You should know that by now, hopefully. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you can follow the podcast and get every new episode as it drops. 
Don't forget to leave me a rating and review and go ahead and share this around. Uh, as long as it's uh, shareable on Twitter and Facebook, go ahead. Otherwise, uh, go ahead and make sure you share this around on free speech platforms. Thank you so much for listening, and I will be back again soon.